Life is full of personal wins. Whether it's cleaning your house, getting that dream car, or checking off your to-do list, winning at life is a great feeling. And with the State Farm Personal Price Plan, you can keep winning when you create an affordable price just for you by bundling home and auto. So give yourself a round of applause. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery. Code Wondery. Welcome, goodly humans, to this a very special episode of the Nerdist Podcast. <laughs> Tennant! Finally! David Tennant, the 10th Doctor. Also in Fright Night, also an amazing stage actor. Also, Fright Night should be a stage play. But that's for another time, when I'm a billionaire and I can make things like that happen. Quick announcement first. When you get a chance, head on over to youtube.com slash Nerdist and click the subscribe button. Nerdist Industries has launched a video wing to now rub content into your eyes as well as your ear holes. Currently, we are supporting Marvin E. Kwasnicki for President of the United States. A lofty goal indeed, but we feel that his ideas and platforms will win you over, so please go there. We will have more programming relevant to your interests that I'm very excited about that we'll announce uh, in the coming months. YouTube.com slash Nerdist. Go click subscribe now and get it on the ground floor, you early adopter, you. And now, this episode! Da-na-na, very exciting. It's real exciting. Exciting times, exciting times. David Tennant is someone that I have wanted on this podcast since the beginning of the podcast. A lot of you people have requested it, and it finally happened. Uh, What you're going to hear is the full unedited chat, which we took a piece of, just a small piece of, to air on the Nerdist TV special on BBC America. So this was the rest of that time, which was another, like, hour and 12 minutes. I mean, Tennant is exactly the guy you hope he would be. Super sweet, uh, funny, nerdy... Awesome. Tall, too. I had no idea. You gotta be like 6'1-ish. Maybe 6'2". Um, but this was an amazing, amazing chat that we had. Uh, he was willing to talk about anything, and, and, and you could really see how much he not only cares about Doctor Who, but just about, you know, just about sci-fi and the craft of acting in general. This is a really... Ah! Gush, 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 gush. So, here's a fun side story. We shot the interview at the East India Club in London. The East India Club is... Uh, a really old spice trading uh, company that had its own private army that maybe murdered a few people, maybe murdered a few people uh, throughout history. But um, we did the interview there, super stodgy, super upper crusty. When word got out that Tenet was in the building, when we were leaving, there was this huge crowd of people by the elevator between us and and the front door. So we sort of pushed through everyone. He was very sweet to everyone. Uh, And we got a few steps past this crowd of people, and I heard what sounded like an old Victorian explorer, exactly what I would expect to be in the East India Club. This really old voice uh, clearly leaned over to someone that he was with and said, Now which one of those chaps is David Tennant? 
Then we both had a laugh, and then I have been impersonating David Tennant ever since. I'm pretending that I am the regenerated form of David Tennant. Um, so I went back in as Tennant, had a great time with those people. So I really hope that you enjoy, as much as I did, this episode of myself, the regenerated David Tennant, talking with the original David Tennant, here on the Nerdist Podcast, episode number 153. Alonzi Alonzo! Here we go. Now entering Nerdist.com. Uh, I'm here with David Tennant. Finally, it's so good Hello. to have you on. It's great to be oh here. Oh my god, I'm so excited. Well, I'm thrilled to be here. I'm glad you could come to my uh, castle. Yes, yes, it's a lovely castle. You have a lot of rare books here. I do, yeah. Everyone in England lives in a castle. Yeah, that's... You, that's... Should, you should tell America, unless you're one of the serfs, in which case you live in a hole in the ground. No, no, under no. some fog. We assume that everyone here lives in castles we do, and yeah. you pay each other in gold. Yeah, or we barter. Yeah. Sometimes we just barter. Yeah. I mean, we'll have a fence later, perhaps. We could do, yeah. Foils uh, are outside. <laughs> Did I say I that wrong? I have an equerry. <laughs> <laughs> He'll come in and oil you down. Before tea, of course. Before high tea. Well, there are several There are several tiffin breaks scheduled. We are actually at the East India Club, which I have... You, you yeah. said you've never been to. Yeah, that. what is this? I think it dates back to, from what I was told, the East sure. India Trading Company. Don't say from what I was told. Just go, it's this. And then we'll all think... <laughs> it is. You're some yeah. incredible I can, genius. Uh, yes. Well, David, uh, as I'm sure you know, the American education system is so robust that mm. we learn much about other cultures and mm-hmm. why I majored in East India in trading yeah. and spices. But it's so, it's so poshy here that I found myself adopting a British accent because, like, when I... Oh, excuse me. You know, when I'm walking by, because I don't want them to go, an American in the yes. East India Club? <laughs> <laughs> Poppycock. Yeah, no, they wouldn't like that. I'm sure it's all very... They're, they're, it is... It reeks of old school, doesn't it? It, it really does. Men it... full of gout and uh, <laughs> and, uh, and and port. But you're from you're, you're, you were I'm Scottish, from Scotland, so, so this I'll, I'll get chucked out as well. Yeah. Both of us will be flung out of the pavement. <laughs> Neither of us are nearly posh enough to be in here. Yeah, but your but your your section of of the country dates back to like the 1100s. Or so. Oh uh, yeah, but we again, you know, we were sort of rough and ready. We were kind of <laughs> we didn't have we didn't have books. No, there. no, no. We just had uh, we just had plaid. Pla- <laughs> it was all you have to learn how to read the plaid. Yeah, there are stories. Of, there's a yeah, there's a kind of braille system that works <laughs> off the tongue. Woven into the plaid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you guys aren't actually wearing kilts. You're you're wearing reading materials. We're just we're communicating uh, in in many sort of uh, non-linear ways. Yeah. See, now that you've given away the secret, we know the key to attack a Scotsman is to get the kilt off. Yes, yes. Yeah. But you don't want to know what you're going to find underneath. I didn't. I didn't realize because uh, you do such an amazing British accent that when I first saw you, I didn't realize. Like, well, of course, a Scottish accent is also a British accent. I'm sorry, that Be was a stupid thing to say. I'm sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah, I meant an English accent. I do. Yes, yes. I, I yeah, I've done it uh, in, in in many things. I guess. Yeah, probably. I've probably done an English accent more than I've used my own accent uh, professionally. Where is the is there is there a where is the sort of uh, a media hub of Scotland? Is there one? Um, there's one in Glasgow. There's a media sort of village in Glasgow, and there's bits in Edinburgh as well. But I suppose, 
you know, Britain's a small enough country that, that it tends to sort of uh, culturally filter down to London sooner or later. We, yeah. we all try to resist that a bit. We all pretend that actually there are sort of outposts of... And there are. There, I mean, there's outposts, wonderful outposts of theatre and, and some sort of television and film production outside London. But, but they, I, I suppose the main sort of industry is still centred down here. So how does, a, how does a young boy from the middle of Scotland say, I think I'm going to move down and give a go at this acting thing? Uh, uh, well, I went to drama school in Glasgow. Okay. Uh, and I, I worked a little bit uh, in, in theatre there. And then I, I just packed up my car and drove down south <laughs> to see what would happen, really. It seems like it worked out okay. It's been all right so far. You never know. You never know what's around the corner. <laughs> I know. That's Don't a, get cocky. Damn, I know. That is the... That is the I mean... Really, as performers, we're just lifelong freelancers, oh, yeah. and there's never any yeah. there's never any security. Not at all. No, you're only we are all whores. Well, especially with you, especially with British. I'm actually also a whore. So yeah, well, you I, have to be. Me that's too. That's how I make money. In I between. supplement my income that yeah. way too. Yeah, just quite good at the East India Club because they're all quite rich. Yeah, they yeah. are. They are, and they don't. They're not. They don't have weird prejudice against things. They just want to. I mean, like the quirky accent will probably get you a few extra shekels. I'll give you tuppence for a quick HJ over in the old Churchill suite. <laughs> exactly. What is there a Churchill suite? There's bound to be. There has to be there's a Churchill. A, there's a painting of him just outside the door. So there, he must have been in here. Of course he was. At some point. Yeah, he was probably sitting in this very chair, smoking a cigar, <laughs> ordering people around. Yeah, nursing his cholesterol. <laughs> Did you ever? Uh, was there ever sort of a plan B for you, or was it always? No, like, there wasn't. Which is was foolhardy, really. But there, there wasn't. I don't know. What I'd have done. I went to drama school at 17 and, and came out and just have managed to join the jobs up enough to never have to really contemplate plan B. Yeah. Because I don't know what it would be. And the, the terrifying thing is now it's sort of a bit late. You think so? Well, I think when you're in your 20s, you can, you could, I, you, you could retrain, you could do something else, you could go another way. It's, it gets harder as you get older, I imagine. <laughs> I know, you can't, you can't later on, like, like 50... You're like, well, I guess I have to be a banker now. Yeah. And you're going up to your bank manager going, what's my motivation? Well, you're a Quite. banker and you need to collect money. Yeah. Or go to university for five years to become a lawyer or something. I don't know. Yeah. But fortunately, I don't Something. think that's going to be, I don't think you're going to have to worry about oh, that. I, I, don't get cocky. No, you're right. Never it's, believe. It's never a, believe it's a done deal. <laughs> what, uh, I, I know that you were always, well, at least from what I, I shouldn't say I know this because we've never spoken before, but. Just say so you know, I love it. It makes you sound Really? Like, yeah. But see, I have a hard like time. A hub. All right, all right, uh, David. I know for a fact yeah. that uh, that you were a huge uh, Who fan growing up. I was, yeah. And so, uh, whereas a, a lot of, I'm sure, British children say, "I'm going to be the doctor someday," yeah. you actually managed to to make that happen. I know. What are the chances of that? <laughs> it is ridiculously, yeah, unlikely. But it, but it worked out, yeah. I guess someone, I mean, it's sort of like being the president. Like, yes, if you say you're going to, someone's going to be the president, you're essentially the, yeah. if Britain had a president, it would be you. I suppose, it would be, yeah, yeah. It'd be like saying, Prime Minister, I want to become Prime Minister, only better. Yeah. This is a better job, I think. Uh, no, I mean, hilarious and impossible, and it just sort of worked out. I mean, even more unlikely, and Doctor Who had been off air. Mm-hmm. Um, since I had become an actor, it, it came off here in the 80s and I started work in the 90s, so it, it, it just seemed like something that was never going to even be an option. 
You obviously, you're a big sci-fi fan because you're wearing an Incredible Hulk shirt. I think, I, yes, I thought I'd better wear something for your show that was, <laughs> that, that had the right theme. But I was actually, I had a t-shirt that I've never worn that somebody gave me that has a picture of Tom Baker on the front and with Who's the Daddy written across it. Oh. And I thought, this, your show would be the perfect place to crack open that t-shirt. I couldn't find it this morning, so no. I Incredible Hulk instead. It's, I may, it's lost in a box somewhere. I still think Incredible Hulk works pretty well. It's pretty good, yeah, yeah. Are you, are you a fan of comic books? And, and I am, yeah, yeah. Growing up, I was a big Marvel comics fan. Oh, nice. Specifically the Marvel comics. DC World seemed all very mimsy, namby-pamby nonsense. Whereas, the, whereas it, was the, it was the gritty realism of the Marvel comics that I liked. Yeah, well, the, 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 well that, that, was, that was Stan Lee's whole thing, was yeah. they, they, were, they tried to create, they tried to put humanity and like, human situations into, yeah. these, uh, into these superheroes. Yeah. So you stop worrying about how ludicrous it is that they're all in Lycra. Exactly. It's just sort of like, oh, they, ha- they love too. Yeah, they have problems. Just like me. Life's tough if you have you, superpowers. Yeah, it's hard to crawl on walls and then maintain a relationship. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, have can, you ever... can I stop you for one moment before we move on with that one? Can I just stay in that wider? And can you just go back and mention the Hulk shirt again, please? Mention the what? Mention the T-shirt. Okay. Just go back to that and then you just carry on from where you are now. David, I notice you're wearing a T-shirt. And we you know those ones? But now we will. Oh, now you see that. Okay. Yeah. In this shot, size. Yes, please. Uh, so you ha- you have your Incredible Hulk shirt on, which is gorgeous. I do. Yes, I, I, this is, you know, I, I felt like I should uh, find something that was in the theme of your show. Are you looking forward to the Avengers movie? I am so looking forward to the Avengers movie. And I got, a bit, I got a bit behind with Thor and Captain America, but I'm all caught up now. All I'm caught very up. very excited. It's a pretty amazing thing. It's not something that we do in America a lot. Is, is, I feel like British television, like shows leave off, pick up, mash up. You know, we, yeah. don't, we don't do a lot of that stuff in America. No, I, I, it's just exciting, isn't it, when, when characters like that come together. I used to love the Avengers comic book. It was yeah. one of my particular favorites. I think for that very reason, you felt like you got more for your money. Yeah. And the way that they would interact was always uh, intriguing and fun. So now I'm looking forward to that. I think you would make a good Peter Parker. We're casting Brits in superhero roles now in America. Well, Andrew Garfield's, uh, you know, I, uh, he, he's a Brit, so he's, the, he's Peter Parker now. I think it's, he's a lot younger and better looking than me. I think, be, <laughs> I think he's a better choice. He's younger, but he's not, uh, yeah, yeah. you're a handsome man, Mr. You can Tennis. say that. You're a I handsome man. <laughs> I can't. No, I think I I'm, more of, a, I'm more of a Reed Richards, probably. I could. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. You'd be a great Reed Richards. It's got to be due for a reboot, isn't it? <sighs> yeah, the last couple of Fantastic Fours. Mm. Not so fantastic. Yeah. It was really just four. <laughs> <laughs> two times four. It was really eight. just two, two times four. It was just four. eight. <laughs> so uh, what, what's, what was the audition process? How, how, the, the Doctor Who, how did that come about? Uh, obviously, Eccleston picked it back up in 2005, and then he decided he didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. And then, or at least that's what I heard. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, I know that's what happened. Sure. Um, so how did what, how does that process come about? And how do you audition for that? Well, I was doing a show called Casanova, which was a, um, I guess in America you call it a mini series, sort mm-hmm. of a three episode show that uh, uh, that Russell T Davis had written, and it was a. a, a it was about you know, Giacomo Casanova, and, uh, but a kind of uh, slightly uh, heightened version of his life. So I was doing that with Russell mm-hmm. at the time, and Julie Gardner, who was the exec producer. And they were working on Doctor Who at the, at the same time. They'd zip between the two sets. Um, and towards the end of that, or just after we'd uh, finished filming, they, they, Russell said, come around to the house, because he knew that I was a Doctor Who fan of mm-hmm. old. 
And I'd been badgering him. I said, you know, just a, just one episode. I just want to turn up <laughs> in something. I'll do anything, you know. I'll be in a rubber suit. Um, so he knew I was keen to see what the show was looking like. And he said, come over to my place. And I was up in Manchester. I went, I went to his house and Julie Garner was there and they showed me uh, the, a nearly finished episode one and a rough cut of, uh, uh, of Dalek, the mm-hmm. Dalek episode. And I just thought this is really exciting. I, did, I just thought they were showing me because they knew I was interested uh, and they were being friendly, I guess. And then we watched these two episodes and at the end of that, they, they, they said, so the thing is, uh, the reason we've got you here tonight is we, because we, uh, we are looking to recast the docs. And, and it, it just seemed so absurd, so unlikely that something I'd watched when I was tiny, something I'd had on my bedroom wall and I'd bought books and drawn comic strips and then they were asking me to, to be part of that. And also, because the show wasn't even back on TV yet, it just... Oh, it hadn't, like, it hadn't been on. It hadn't oh. actually aired yet, so the whole thing felt like a, a, a fantasy, really. And because it hadn't aired at that stage, they didn't even know that it would go again, so it was all a bit, you know... Um, I mean, it was, it was literally about to broadcast that weekend or something. So was it, did Eccleston just say, I'll do it, but just for one series, and I then don't I'm know. out? I don't know what conversations were had with, with, with Chris. I don't know what... Uh, it's never something I've, I, I've got into, really. So, I, I, you know, I've, I've seen Chris since and, and we've talked about it, but not, not about exactly what, what he did or didn't intend to do. I'm not sure. It's funny. It's amazing how attached you... It, more than any other show, you just get, you get, you get, such, you get so emotionally attached to, to Doctors. And when I watched the Eccleston series and then he regenerated to you at first, I was like, but come on, how yeah. can... Really? And then by the end of the first episode, I was like, oh, okay, okay, yeah. oh, you win. I think that's how it works, though. I think you're supposed to, that's, that's kind of, that's part of the, especially as a kid, that's part of the process, I think. Yeah. I think it, I think it, it teaches you how to get over relationship breakups and things like that. You can, because you can do get very invested and then this, this doctor disappears and you think, this, this weird looking new person, how am I ever going to get on board with that? <laughs> and I, I remember going through that. And like you say, Within a week or two, they are the doctor, and that's how that's how that show works, and that's part of the joy of it, I think. And also part of the weird magic of it, unlike any other yeah. show. But really, they're giving a fictional, sciency reason for well, we just want to be able to keep yeah. doing the show as long as possible. Absolutely, I, I think that's what's great. One of the th- one of the many things that's great about Doctor Who is it's it's absolutely a beast of television. It's it's everything, all the weird quirks of it that make it so great are 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 created by the fact that it's being made on a weekly basis and the actors move on. and So they find these weird reasons why. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, the, like the, the fact that they travel around in this uh, spaceship that's a small little box because that was easy to erect in a studio week <laughs> on week. And that becomes the virtue of what... That becomes this extraordinary, iconic thing. And the regeneration thing, again, is because the first actor was getting a bit poorly, so... It was either replace him or, or, or the show doesn't. And you know, in, in comic books, it wouldn't happen like that because you just keep, you know, you might get a new artist, but the, the, the character remains the same. And in movies, it's a slightly different thing as well. I think it's, it's, it's very much a creation that could only have been created for and by television. It's almost like an interesting writing game, too, where, where you, you get these series of limitations which they, and they have to say to the writers that are, go, okay, how do you justify that? Yeah. How do you justify yeah. this tiny box? How do you justify replacing people? And how do you make that okay? And then they have to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And it becomes, 
necessity is the mother of invention. Absolutely. Did uh, was there? Was there a lot of, like you and Catherine Tate in particular, it sort of felt like, well, here's two comic geniuses. They must be improvising a lot on the set, or were they like... Oh, no, we didn't. You didn't improvise. Really? No. There was, I mean, I say virtually none. I think actually none. The scripts were so well honed and so beautifully written by Russell T. Davis and, and the various uh, people that he had. Maybe Stephen Moffat wrote mm-hmm. some fantastic episodes for Link. Yeah, absolutely. Um... Uh, and all the, the Mark Gatiss and Toby Whitehouse and uh, you know fantastic team of writers, um, and the scripts were were poured over and, and honed and we were we. It was a writer's, you know, it was a, it was a showrun in a way that we don't have in this country mm-hmm. yet. Um, the, the, the way that US shows tend to be run by uh, a producer writer which is exactly what Russell T. Davis was, and, and, and therefore we, the, the writing was, was king um, and it was something that we didn't, we didn't mess with unless it was a really good reason to. I guess that's sort of the... I mean, that, that to me is, seems like more of a product of British theatre culture. Maybe. Where in America, we're... So, I mean, all you have to do is listen to the American national anthem and hear how everyone has a different version of it. You go, ah, those narcissistic bastards. They're right. going to make it all about themselves. But you guys are... I feel like you're taught to work within the structure and work within the system. Maybe. Maybe that is a, a different cultural thing. It's interesting. Although I, I can't imagine if you're working on The West Wing or something and you get an Aaron Sorkin script, I can't imagine you go, nah, Aaron, I'm going to change this bit. <laughs> it's not wordy enough. It's not, it's not intelligent Keep enough. Keep the cameras rolling. I'm just going to say yeah, something. Yeah, I'm just going to riff on this. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think, it, I think it depends on the project. It depends on the nature of the script and, and the nature of the working environment, I think. There are some shows you'll do here where it's very much more of an open, mm-hmm. slightly kind of freewheeling thing. But certainly on Doctor Who, the script was was king. And when the scripts are that good, you don't, you don't want to argue with that. What, what were your, did you have a particularly favourite storyline? Like, you're, you know, you're going to other planets or you're going in history and sort of... And sort of... No, not really. I, 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 the variety of it, I think, is exactly what makes it so great. So the fact that every script would be completely different from the one that went before, it was just fantastic. That was always the best bit. When, it, when, it, when you get back to your trailer and there'll be a new buff envelope uh, with, a, with a new script in it and you, and, and you didn't know what was coming next. It was great. Is it, is it, I mean, obviously it's exciting to get to play this, like an iconic role like this, but is it also scary at the same time? Because yeah. you go, oh no, I, George Reeves played Superman and then he only just ever played Superman, you know? Oh, and... Um, I suppose there was a bit of that, yeah. And before I finally said yes to it, I didn't say yes to it as quickly as I would have imagined I would have done if I'd sort of fantasised about that as a child. Yeah. Because suddenly somebody goes, this, this will take your career in a very particular direction, <laughs> at least for a while. Right. Um, and that will be quite life-altering and defining. And you do have to think that through, I suppose. And then more long-term, there is the worry that You'll never get out from under it, I suppose. But that didn't feel, that didn't worry me particularly. Partly because Chris had just done it, and there was, I don't think there was ever a suggestion that Chris Eccleston would be you because he brought such kind of gravity and, and clout to it. You know, mm-hmm. he was a he was a, in two thousand and five when it was announced he was doing it. That was surprising because he because Doctor Who didn't yet have the kind of necessary credibility that, that someone like him uh, brings with them. Yeah. But when, once he'd done it, he thought, well, it's, it, it, it's, it's, a, it, it's a quality product. So actually, I, 
I think, you know, you want to be associated with quality stuff and that usually just is a virtue rather than a... I think it... And I, I think it's created a lot more opportunities than it's closed down, definitely. Yeah, well, I, d I definitely want to, I mean, I'm not just going to pin you down about Doctor Who. I, I want to talk about other stuff, too. But, I, but before I do, um, just your, every Doctor obviously has a bit of a spin on the character. And then as a fan, I mean, I create stories in my head like, okay, well, the ninth Doctor was probably more intense because he was fresh off the Time Wars. And the tenth sure. Doctor, he's more fun and like he can be intense, but he's you know. But I, you know, your character, and I'm not saying I could have done this, but I'm saying your character, you you played the Doctor more like I would have, which is more of a comics, like a fun, yeah, a, like he's he's fun, he's fun. You want to hang around him. He wasn't he wasn't super, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he had he 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 got. I think he did. I think there was a sense of when when he. Regenerated. There was a bit of a release because mm -hmm. I think, yeah, I mean, this was this was definitely in the writing. There was a sense that the ninth Doctor had a lot, had a lot of things to deal with, and the tenth Doctor was slightly liberated from some of that. He had such issues. The ninth Doctor, yeah. a lot of baggage. He threw some stuff. He had though, seen some he? things. Yeah, um, and I think in a way, it, yeah, again, without being too pretentious or pompous about it, I think that the tenth Doctor had a bit of a journey from that kind of liberated brand new puppy dog yeah. who, who just bounced off the walls and loved everything back towards someone who, who suffered a bit and who actually uh, realised that the universe did have some things that were quite difficult to come to terms with so what was it that kind of made you in the end go I think, you know, I think maybe it's time to, to move on probably more than anything it was, it was the fact that, that Russell T Davis was moving on as well mm -hmm. and it just made sense for us all to go together um, it had been Four years, you know, which felt like, and it's very intensive. Your work schedule, I heard, is yeah, crazy. it's, is, it's really quite crazy, and it's exhausting, and it's also just that the sort of uh, the focus that it gets, particularly in this country. I mean, I know it's it, wonderfully, you know, sort of growing in America, but but in Britain, it's so ubiquitous, it's so loved and enthused over, which is fantastic to be in the centre of. But at the same time, quite tough, you know. You're, you suddenly you lose your privacy, you lose uh, any, uh, you become public property, which in many ways is wonderful and uh, hugely appealing and, and, and hugely gratifying. At the same time, you kind of go, I quite like to breathe a little bit. I'd sure. like to. Uh, so it just felt a sort of about right. And, and it felt I'd come in with Russell and, and he was leaving and that was going to be a big deal and that, that we should all sort of take a leap and go together. And also that sense that if I didn't go then, then when would I go, actually? Right. Because if I didn't take that obvious stepping off point, then I'd probably just, I'd still be there now. And inevitably there'd be a law of diminishing returns, I think, professionally and personally. And, and, and uh, in terms of what the public were getting out of it, I suppose, you, you know, when your novelty fades, it's harder to, to uh, keep pleasing people. So lots of reasons. I mean, it... And also I was having a really good time and it felt like such a special thing that I wanted to always have a good time doing it. Right. And I didn't want to be there when I thought, oh, not another day, not another 20-line speech to learn and say quickly, not another one, you know, not another universe to save. You, it, it, it felt like it should always remain special. Um, I very nearly changed my mind when, when Stephen Moffat was confirmed as taking over and I chatted to him a bit about things he wanted to do and I'm such a fan of his and the thought of working with him uh, going forward was was almost too oh, 
almost made me change my mind, and I, I really had decided. But, but, but then I thought, maybe I should, well, maybe just one more year. But in the end, it was just that thing of, if I, if I don't go now, then there'll never really be a reason to go again, and I'll just go on forever. Well, I, uh, I think of all the Doctor Who fans I've ever met, I think Stephen Moffat's probably the biggest Doctor Who fan. I've sure, absolutely, yeah. I, I, and, and the thought of working on that show with him was... But then I'd, been able, I'd, I'd had a chance at that, and I'd, you know, I'd got to know him very well and done some fantastic stories with him as the writer, so um, I'll always have that. And... You are in a Harry Potter movie, which is amazing. Yes. Barty Crouch Jr. Yes. I mean, it's quite a big part, although I'm not on screen very long because I'm mostly played by Brendan Gleeson. Yes. Because I'm sort of undercover. You've had the apology juice potion, he says, as he pushes up his glasses. Well done. Well, I know a lot of Potter Lord. I know. I didn't have to look that up. That was just locked away in the old noggin. Good, good. Um... No, I did, yeah. So, so Barty Crouch Jr. Is, is the villain of the piece, really, mm-hmm. although I'm, I'm not necessarily in the film all that much. But it was great. Yeah. You did an amazing Brendan Gleeson. I mean, you actually got inside the Brendan Gleeson uh, robot and operated I, him. For months. That's months. how good. Yeah. And that, that was a long, long time with prosthetics <laughs> to get that look. Yeah. I think, you know, our, I think America's view of... This is like this kind of fraternity of British actors, which is very small, and then everyone just turns up on something yeah. at one point yeah. or, or another. There, well, there was a bit of that with Harry Potter. I mean, of course, that's not the case, because there's hundreds of, of fantastic British actors who never got a go. But, yeah, when you look at them, it does look like a bit of a roll call, doesn't it, of, all the, of every period drama you've ever seen. Or, um, and that was part of the blast of doing it. You'd be sitting on the side of the set with... Maggie Smith in her witch's hat and <laughs> Michael Gambon in his beard, which he would wrap up in a kind of... Hessian thing between Tate oh, that's amazing. Um, and Alan Rickman, and they'd all be sort of swapping uh, hilarious actorly anecdotes and then getting their wand out and zapping. I mean, it was great fun <laughs> to be part of that. You know? Was there any kind of nerding out on your part in terms of, this is Maggie Smith? Or were you... I, well, I'd worked with Maggie and Michael before, actually, so I'd kind of got over all that years previously. Um, I mean, I'm making huge awe of both of them. Yeah. Um, but they're actually both really good fun and really funny in very different ways. Michael's just full of hilarious, ludicrous stories. Uh, and Maggie's got this very sharp, kind of keen, comic mind. So they're great fun to be around. Have you had the, you must have had the experience at some point where you see an actor that you sort of, you know, you kind of worship. Oh, yeah. and, then, and then they go, hey! And then they know who you are. And, if, and is, it my, is that mind bendy? Yeah, I suppose it is, really, but... Yeah. It's... I, it's still... I mean, it still can be quite intimidating when you meet an actor that is... that has meant a lot to you or, or, or that you just think is, is great. Mm-hmm. And you just, I can still get very tongue-tied and very... Uh, fanboyish, I suppose. I just... I love that that never goes away. I mean, yeah. I think, I think when that goes away, maybe it's time to do something else. Because yeah. you should really... I think... I'm not telling you you have to do this. I'm just saying in general. It's, uh, I really think you need to be... You still need to be able to be a fan as well as uh, a well, it's performer. What makes it, what makes it a, a vocation rather than just a job, isn't it? That you right. have that love for it, I suppose. Um, absolutely, yeah. And, and, and being part of... Part of you know, a piece of work that, you, that is the sort of piece of work that you watched and uh, felt inspired by, whatever that might be. 
Do you enjoy going to uh, America? To I, I think mm. I, I saw like a chunk of a pilot you did where I think you were a lawyer. Oh, well, I did a, yeah, I did a pilot, yeah. Yeah, what was, what, what was, what was the experience like going to America? Well, it was great, it was great. Um, uh, to work in that kind of studio system is very different than we have here. And that, you know, trying to put something together that, that then goes to a network, that, you know, and the amount of money you guys will spend on a pilot. Oh, yeah. You know, we're lucky if we do a table read here. <laughs> um, and then somebody turns up and goes, no. Um, so to work on something that, that had those resources is, is it's fantastic, you know, and and it was, and that was a great experience. I worked with some fantastic people, some great actors and writers, and um, but again, un, unlike our system, you make like twenty five pilots a year and maybe pick a few up. It's a very different world. And it used to be more, mm. and it really is just, you know, it's just sort of this, the state of American television and reality TV taking over, sure. and then the economy. And yeah. I mean, they used to make forty or fifty pilots a yeah. year, and yeah. you know, and only pick a few up. Yeah. Um, but it's really, you know, they, they've, they've honed it down. I feel like scripted television is finally coming back. I hope so, yeah, because that's where the great stories that, that take you through your life come from, aren't they? Is there any kind of, is there any American shows that you're watching now that you, that you like? At the moment, what am I watching at the moment? I, I, I've not seen a great deal of television this year, uh, uh, to be honest. So I'm a bit behind on everything. Um, so no, I, what am I, what am I on? A copy of Enthusiasm I always watch because yep, yep. it's great. Uh, but I'm tending to be catching up on things like a, a little behind. Right. I'm, I'm a few years behind on just about everything, really. Um, I'm still in series three of The Wire, for instance. Oh, I keep me, you know, I, I bought the series. Yeah. Everyone says, this show will change your life. And to the point where I'm intimidated to start watching it yeah. because it feels and so also, intense. When something is, is, is pumped up that much, right. it's always going to disappoint, I think, a little. Although The Wire is extremely good. That's... But it, it's, a, it's an acquired taste. You have to stick with it for a bit. At first, it's all about, ooh, what's going on here? Um, but, you know, those characters are very well drawn and really well created. It's a great show. Is there a... For me, though, The West Wing, is. It, I always come back to that. I just think that was just... Beautifully written. It's just that writing, that kind of this, the the amount of words and the brilliance of these people. You just want to be them and be their friends and hang out with them. Well, especially in America, you kind of you know I think especially more artistic people watch that show and they go, "This is how government should yes. be." Yes. I want the president to be snappy to and be, quippy. Yeah, and, and virtually superhuman. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. That's what a president of the world's greatest superpower should be, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. It should look like Martin Sheen as well. Yeah. Because I think, I mean, I always have this idea, like, look, if you want to be president of the United States, you're probably a little bit of a douche. Yeah. Because it is a crazy job to want to take on. To be the ruler of one of the strongest nations in the world is a little bit of a weird thing to want to do. Yeah. But, yeah, so you want him to be Jed Bartlett, really. (laughs) I think when Obama appeared, everyone was like, oh, look, look, that's that's kind of Jed Bartlett. We'll go with that. I think the the West Wing uh, helped a lot of Americans, too, because I I went to France a couple years ago, and my girlfriend at the time spoke French, and she was talking to this guy in a shop, and he very innocently just assumed that all Americans uh, were like George Bush. Right. He just thought we were all these kind of like Texan, you know. Right. Yeah, fuck yeah. yeah, you know, that we were all like that. Yeah. Like, no, no, there's a Jen he Bartlett. He didn't play so well internationally, did he? I think it's an interesting thing. It's interesting, this Thatcher movie that's out around at the moment, I grew up under Margaret Thatcher, of course, mm-hmm. and it was uh, in Scotland, we all hated her. I mean, she was, it was, none of us voted for her. It was a terrible thing. And then around the world, you had this sense of, 
the world all seemed to think that Margaret Thatcher was this great sort of leader. And I haven't seen this movie yet, but uh, I don't really know where I'm going with this, and you probably can't use it. But <laughs> maybe I'll stop. Shall we draw a veil? Let's draw a veil. I'll take a sip. We've hit a wrinkle in time. Yeah. No, that's totally fine. Mm. What was your What was your comedy history? What's your comedy? Was there were there a lot of Scottish comedies, or did you like did you like English comedies, or what? What was when you were growing up in particular? What did you like? When I was growing up, I liked things like I remember. Uh, do you know the Young Ones? Uh, one of my favorite shows right. of all time. Well, that came out. I was about I must have been about ten or eleven when the Young Ones came. Neil out. and Rick and Viv and Mike. Yeah, and I remember seeing that for the first time and thinking, "This is." I suppose I am. I imagine it, if if I'd been a bit older and into music. It, it must have been what punk felt like. Right. When that suddenly hit. You said, this is the, I've never seen anything like this before. This is so fresh, so exciting. And this is for me. This is, this is my generation. This is, and it was uh, incredible, sort of wild, new. And from that, all the stuff that, that sort of came after that, the Comic Strip Presents stuff. Yeah, and, yeah, all the Ben Elton. and uh, the, Yeah, the Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. Well, our version of Saturday Night Live, which had Ben Elton and Fry and Laurie on mm-hmm, it. And, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and uh, Adrian Emerson, Rick Mail, and Harry Enfield, and all these guys who went on to become household names. But at the time, it was all very edgy and raw. And that was so amazing. exciting. But you and I are the exact same age, right? And so I think we got hit. Like we were just the right age. I think, I think we would have been around, you know, high school age when, yeah. when Young Ones came out. So yeah. seeing that comedy could be done that way, yeah, yeah, it's just so exciting, so exciting, and. Uh, and all that stuff, and you know, and I suppose then moving on to Blackadder and things like that, as the you know, as these guys became the establishment, really, right, and got to make things like that, which also is, you know, fantastic shows. I always wonder if that's on. that's weird when you sort of when you really are at the forefront of like the punk comedy or any punk movement, and all of a sudden you start to get a little bit older, and then you become the institution. Like, yeah. how do you? Yeah, how do you? Can you can you slide into that, or do, do, does it to create a weird internal yeah. distortion because you're used to being the punk? Yeah. And it's interesting, and I think looking at some of those comics and where they went, I think you see all the various choices that could have been made, and some went very establishment and lost all their cool, and some have managed to stay very kind of... And then someone like Stephen Fry has matured into this yeah. national treasure that we kind of all adore. Well, when you're young, you just you it's so hard. You're just like, I have to fight the establishment, and I yeah. have to make... Screw it, fuck everything! I don't need to do... And then... Yeah. Yeah. And you start to get older and maybe a little successful and comfortable, and you're like, yeah, things aren't so bad. Yeah. And then you sort of lose that kind of... I suppose of... it's finding the way to keep being creative and also admitting that you're at a different stage in life and allowing that to sort of influence what you do, I guess. I don't know what the solution is. Is this, is this something that, I mean, like, uh, acting, is it something that you think, like, well, I'm going to do this until the day I drop dead? Oh, yeah, I can't imagine I'll do anything else. I mean, I'd like to dabble maybe in directing and... and uh, a bit of that, maybe you know, being perhaps a, at different stages of the, of the creative process. But I can't imagine I'd ever not want to be an actor anymore. It just—it's what—it's just you know what I do. It's my job. I am fascinated by Britain's fascination with the whole like upstairs, downstairs, Victorian sort of yeah. like the servants in the you know like that's the, come back the Big time recently, isn't it? The 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 cauldron and the chambermaid or whatever, yeah. and it's just all. We're loving a bit of that just now. I, they're not shows that I'm watching a lot of, but they're hugely popular, so you can't knock it, really. Oh, by the way, uh, I just recently saw Fright Night, which I apologize for not seeing oh, yeah. sooner, and it was amazing. Yeah, good. I mean, usually, because we, we, we try to reboot everything. Sure. 
because and that's often painful. It's usually it's usually it's usually yeah. not great. I mean, usually rebooting movies that were already good. I did like Fright Night as a kid. Mm. Saw it like the original. I saw it recently. Like eh, you know, it was hokey, yeah, fun. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but but your version of it was really friggin' cool. Yeah, I I was really pleased with it. I think it was always going to be difficult to get the tone right because you're trying to do something that is a proper horror film but it's also a bit quirky and a bit funny and a bit tongue-in-cheek at times but but it still has to work as a proper scary you know rip your head off vampire film and I think it was Craig Gillespie the, the director I think just nailed that got just got the balance just right it was great did you did you work with them to sort of because when, when everyone heard you were playing Peter Vincent they're like oh Really, that was yeah. that was uh, Roddy McDowell. Yeah. He, was a, he was an older. What are they? And then and then the spin of the Chris Angel thing is like, oh my god, that's a brilliant, a Vegas magician. Yeah, yeah. Were you, were you involved in that process? No, I, no. I came to it with a the, the script was written, and that's who he was. Um, it, it, interestingly, it was it was I I don't know. I meant to know this, but it was offered to another British actor before me, who is more who would have been a bit more Roddy McDowellish. Actually, mm-hmm. a bit older, a bit uh, still. Uh, he would still have been uh, an illusionist. He would still have had, you know, the the the, the ridiculous wig and the ridiculous uh, um, removable tattoos. But uh, <laughs> uh, but that would have it, it. It became something further from the original, I guess, when when I came on board. Um, but that was always what it was, and then it was just a question of, of working out exactly how to tell that story and sort of. Are you allowed to say who the actor was? No, I don't. Oh, it's not a done thing, is we it? We just haven't. He'd have to. He'd have to say it himself. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, someone I, I have absolutely no problem coming second to. Uh, um, but uh, yes, it was. It, that was all in the script, and then it was just you know, you know how you fill that out really, and uh, and there was an element of interesting talking. There was an element of being allowed to play around the script on that. Yeah. And the script was there and was very solid, but we were allowed and encouraged indeed to. By the way, shirtless David Tennant. Well done, sir. Oh, Excellent man. shape, my well, friend. Well, I don't Excellent know. Excellent shape. Please don't. Fo- no. I, listen, come on. Because also Craig, the director, said, I don't, I don't want any... Don't be going to the gym and getting any tans. <laughs> I want scrawny... British kind of gangly look. You're, which, a Brit- uh, you're a British actor. I can't, I can't imagine a British actor in a spray tan booth that would stand there and go... I can't. This is not. I can't. I could, do ju- this. I could have justified it for my character. <laughs> I could have found a reason why that made sense, but I wasn't allowed. So, uh, no, it's very intimidating. All that. Yeah. You know, any kind of semi-nudity in front of. Because remember, you're also in front. Of, you know, we have a. We have uh, this. This doesn't happen by magic. There is a crew that you can't see. I yeah. mean, it's a relatively modest, very good-looking I don't bunch s- of people. I don't. I don't see anyone. I don't know what you're talking you know, about. Are you not? Maybe it's I don't a, see. Uh, is this room haunted? Maybe I just see them wherever I go. Maybe it's I just... haunted by the ghosts of the East Indians who were murdered during the no. spice trade. Winston Churchill's on the boom. That's what, <laughs> that's what you get at East India Company. Sounds like a DJ concert. And Winston <laughs> Churchill's on the boom. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, especially in a big movie like that, you know, you've got like 150 people milling around and you've got to take your shirt off. It's embarrassing. Yeah, I know. I, I would you, how would you feel about that? I would feel weird about it. Yeah. I would feel weird... And I, I feel like my nature is a little more... I feel like my sensibilities, and maybe this is engineered, I honestly, I couldn't tell you, but uh, 
is a little more British than American, right. where I feel like I'm constantly apologizing. Like, I'm so sorry. Right. I'm sorry. I don't mean to take my shirt off. They were making me. Exactly. I'm sorry. It was exactly that. I know I'm standing at craft service I, eating cheese wedges with no shirt on. Yeah. I don't mean it. I don't want you to have to look at my flesh. Yeah. Please. I, <laughs> I, I, it's not me making you do this. It's being forced upon me by, by those who are our paymasters. Yeah. Exactly that. Exactly that. Especially because the week before, the person on that set, the person with a shirt off, was Colin Farrell, who's kind of, of course. carved in marble. Right. You know, he's this sort of absurd Adonis. Um, so that, was, that wasn't, you know, but you have to... He probably didn't have a problem with it. You ha- no, I, I don't know. He's very self-effacing. He would probably say that he did. But man, I mean, he's just a, he's a, he's a beautiful creature. Yeah, I know. He was created in some sort of weird British was, laboratory. Yeah. Um, uh, so, you know, that, that, not, you just have to go, you have to go, this is the character. This is what the character does. I'm, I'm in character and therefore I take my shirt off. And when they shout cut, I'll put that dressing gown on. Thank you. By the way, uh, Colin Farrell, Brennan Gleeson in Bruges. What an amazing movie. Isn't that a great film? Yeah. Just t- I don't know why I bring it up, just other than I just thought about it. And I thought about yeah. the moment when the movie turns and you're like, how did you take a quirky movie mm. and turn it into an intense, beautiful Martin, drama? Mark McDonough, who wrote that um, and directed it, in fact, is, is brilliant. I did a play of his called The Pillow Man a few years ago. Um, and it's just that kind of writing that is so just on the edge of insane all the time. But again, brilliant dialogue that yeah. sort of is really juicy to get. Your, oh, great. Good I'm, writing. That's what it's all about. I'm sorry for not knowing this. Is Much Ado still playing now? No, or are you, no. You, it's, it's done. We did that through the summer, yeah. Because we, we, were, we thought you were going to come to the States to promote Friday, and they're like, no, he's doing... I couldn't. You were, you were doing Much yeah. Ado with Catherine Tate. With Catherine Tate, yeah. Which, which meant I missed... Because Friday was supposed to come out at Halloween mm-hmm. originally, uh, by which time Much Ado would have finished. And then they moved it forward in the schedules and I missed I missed the whole launch thing I was in the West End doing doing much to do with that's kind of fun though to say I can't promote my film because I'm doing a play in the West End I'm on stage (laughs) leave me be yes I did, a, I did a morning of having a thing put in my ear and staring down a camera that's very uncomfortable beamed around uh, the breakfast shows of America it's a very uncomfortable thing to do I'm sure Colin Farron and Anton Yelchin were doing you know the nine o'clock 9 a.m. sort of <laughs> sexy slot. I was, it was literally going, hi, this is Wisconsin. It's 6.30 a.m. It's great to have you. <laughs> and, I'm, you know, I'm going, oh, hello. And you're straining to hear this voice from thousands of miles away. Yeah, so I did the kind of, uh, the less sexy breakfast shows. David, it says here you played Doctor Who. No, that's not the character's name. Yes. Uh, it's not... Uh... No, I long ago le- learned to let that one ride. Because <laughs> you, you, you start to look... Needy and overfocused. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. They're, they're not. You kidding. know what I'm talking about. I, on your show, yes, we can talk about this. Of course, we can. But you know, on Good Morning Idaho, they don't really want to know. Oh, and it, there's a very specific way of going about it. The first time I ever tweeted about Doctor Who, I shortened it to I shortened it to Dr. And someone's like, oh, no, no, oh. you have to spell it out. I got yeah, numerous. Yeah, I think like, you're allowed to do DR, especially if you're tweeting. Right, well, I was trying to economize. Exactly, you've got stuff to say. You've got 140, 140 I don't 140 tweet. characters. 140 you know, characters. You're not, you're not into the social media? I'm really. No, I mean, you would, you, you would be assaulted. Me. Twitter is like being stalked by the world. You can't do anything without someone going, oh, just some David Turner cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I, you know, you can, you kind of think, just you know, let's just, you don't have to Twitter it. Don't why Twitter? Right. I mean, I understand it has a purpose, and if you want to promote something, it's very useful. And if I just, I don't quite get Twitter even now, and lots of my friends do it and, are, and love it, but I just don't. 
Why do you why do you need to tell folk? I think it's more You've got a show to promote, you know, that's sure, fine. You're but, allowed. But I will I will allow you to twist. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, but I, I will say I think it has more to do with you know, just as, as people, I think we just need constant distraction. I think we just need to have our nose in something at yeah, all times. Yeah. Because, quite frankly, who wants to be left alone with their thoughts? No one wants that. Sure, and so, sure. really, it's sort of like it's sort of like a text version a of way alcohol, of chasing the darkness. Away. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. It's it's 140 characters. It's it's 140 characters is basically a pint. For people, it's just right. to sort of get through their through their yeah, day. Yeah, you're not you're not intoxicated at the end of it. No, I mean, no. How long does that how long does that rush last for? Seconds. All right, it's more like crack. It's more yeah. like crack or heroin. Yeah. I've I've heard. Or a happy meal. <laughs> well, you in particular, because you don't. I mean, like people people are very. I mean, people are incredibly rabid about you, which I you must have a sense of. You've been to Comic Con. Rabid in a good way, or rabid in a great way. Or rabid I, in a, I, in a I, leave me alone way. No, 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 no. Rabid because I I said on Twitter last night. Oh, I'm gonna be, I'm sitting down with David Tennant tomorrow. If you want to, if there are, I have a couple of fan questions. Uh, if if you want to ask a question, you know, put it here on my website. Five hundred comments, which is an incredible amount of engagement. Right. Incredible. Well, no, and that's lovely. It's, it's lovely to, you know, the people. I suppose, yeah. I mean, I'm cynical about it. I suppose because sometimes, you know, things are twittered about me that I'd rather weren't. Sure. But of course, it's nice that that there's. That there is a way of... I, I think that's the wonderful thing with the internet is that it joins people up who otherwise yeah. wouldn't meet. And that's an incredible resource that, you know, has changed the world forever. Yeah. Well, here, I, have a, I just want to hit a couple of fan questions and then we'll, yeah. and then we'll let you get... We'll let you, we'll let you brave the crazy London traffic. It's oh. been insane. Well, yeah. I mean, that, I was like an hour late getting here. It's just... And the West End seems to have shut down today. I don't know why. Dave, okay, here's the story I've heard. There's so much pedestrian traffic that the way that they've dealt oh. with that is to shut down a lot of the streets and Brilliant. just give it over to the people on Brilliant. foot. I mean, that sounds, that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? <laughs> There's a lot of traffic today, so what we're going to do is shut all the roads so the traffic gets worse. Yeah, we're going to create sorry, so much... Sorry, but I've just run out of disc. That's okay. what I'm trying to say. Uh-huh. Are you running out of disc sorry. just now? Oh, just that second. Just yeah. that second. All our good traffic stuff is gone. Oh, we're, we're still recording <laughs> audio. All of our okay. amazing traffic material. So we'll just keep talking, and then you can just drop a, a thing in. Is that, is that so are we podcasting as well? Yeah, basically, basically the idea is that we'll get enough audio to create an audio podcast to then support the you know the four, the, the few minutes of the segment on the TV show. Sure. We'll say, oh, if you want to hear the whole interview, go right, right. listen to the podcast. And, yeah. and honestly, you're someone who's been requested and I've wanted since the beginning. Well, I'm delighted. I, d- I didn't, I, I, you know, I wish you'd asked before. Well, I didn't know. I mean, I first of all, it never occurred to me that I would ever have access to even get to ask you? I'm very accessible. <laughs> I'm just like, a, you know. <laughs> but I've been yeah, such a, I've been such a loud... If Good Morning Wisconsin can have me, then you can Then I can definitely, me. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. I've, I've, you know, I've been such a loud mouth about, about Doc. I'm a, very, I'm a loud mouth about things I love on Twitter, and I think oh, that's, that's sort great. of part of the... Well, that's when Twitter's great. Yeah, exactly. Obviously. Yeah. Exactly. And so, I don't know, I guess I just assume, like, when am I going to be in England? And here you are. And here I am. So did BBC America fly you out? They flew me out here specifically. This, yeah. I, 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 Who have you done when you've been while you've been here? Um, Who have I've, you done? I've, I've, I've done nobody. I did. We went and I went and chatted to Thomas Dolby yesterday. Oh yeah, the guys were saying because I'm a huge, I'm a right, big fan right. of Thomas Dolby. And then uh, Simon Pegg on Tuesday. Oh great. Um, who's been on before? Who's been on the podcast before? But we're going to do a bit. Right. For the show. Okay. Uh, and then the Mission Impossible premiere. Thank you. Uh, so. Great. 
so really, but, but really the main, the main two were you and, and Peg, and, um, and that was enough to justify the BBC well, uh, to, to, to send Quite me over right here. Too. <laughs> okay, you must, we're ready again, guys. You must be a Shaun of the Dead fan. Oh, it's brilliant. Come yeah. on, amazing. But Simon's, Simon's probably... Have you ever worked... Oh, no, no, because he did Doctor yeah. Who when, uh, when it yeah, was nine. Yeah, and we were due to do a film together, but I... Because of that pilot we were talking about earlier, I got... The dates got all messed up, and we didn't get to work together, which was a real disappointment. Was, it, was there any part of the American television process that, was, that seemed crazy or backwards or weird? I feel like it's a, American television, is, network television is a big mess. It's just different. I mean, I wouldn't say... Uh, it's, it's different to the way things work here, and that, that's quite a steep learning curve when you're suddenly plunked down in the middle of it. And some of it, some of it is great. The resources are amazing. Mm-hmm. That's uh, what the, what, what's, what's tricky. Uh, then, well, no, it's just different. It's just different, and there's different timescales, knowing when things are going to go or not go, and 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 you have to sign over stuff oh, that yeah. you don't necessarily you, that you wouldn't hear. But then they pay money to make that happen, you know. So it's you know you're you're sort of bought out, and you have to kind of go. Well, I suppose I've you know signed the deal. That's the, that's how it works. But British government-run television is perfectly content with saying like, "We'll do six episodes of this, yeah, and that's it." You must. Yeah. I mean, it must. You must feel even less security in a British system because you feel like even if the show's successful, it could only run for two years. Uh, that's that's absolutely true. But at least you know when it starts and ends. You know it's six episodes right. and it films over those three months, and then that's you're true. free to do what you like. Uh, it doesn't really. Uh, the, the the studio system in America is, is is bigger and grander and sort of and takes you. For a certain period of time, but we would never do like the Alan Partridge thing, where oh, you do a season or two, and then a couple years later, you pick him up in a no. different way. The characters, your characters, are bigger than your shows. And yeah. in America feels like the shows sure. are cages for those characters. Yeah, I think that's true. But I, I'm sure there are advantages and disadvantages to each. I mean, the advantage is if you're a fan, you get more material, don't right. you? You get more stuff. Whereas if you're an, if you're an Alan Partridge fan, and who isn't, you get you know. A few episodes every few years um, <laughs> makes it special. Though. It does make it very, very special, um, and because it's all well, in that case, you know, uh, it, it's generated by by Steve Coogan. So right. know, there's only so much one man can do, I guess. All right, so here's a couple. Here's a couple fan okay. uh, fan I'm related. Stop you there, one moment, Chris. We'd love you to do that. Just wind back and just hold it there for one. Sure. Second. Now we're going to come out for that wide, slightly higher, so we can see this. Can you just hold up your just a little bit further up your leg, Chris? I just want to see that over the top, just a little bit. That's terrific. Thank you very much. Okay, here we go. Thank you very much. Uh, okay, so I have a couple questions here on the old iPad. These are these are from fans. Great. Um, because it'd be weird if not fans wrote in questions. Uh, yeah, here's a stranger. They... <laughs> this stranger wants to know what's your favorite pot noodle flavor. <laughs> I'm not a fan, but I just want to know about noodles. Yeah. Do you get pot noodle anywhere? No. No. What is it? You must have some. What's the What's the American name for pot noodle? It must be something like. Potto noodles. <laughs> it's pot, cup, it's cup, like a cup of it's, soup. It's like a dry, freeze dried. Oh yeah, cup of noodles. Cup of noodles. There yeah, you go. Yeah. Oh, you're just, I knew we get it on the end. See, I couldn't make the we leap in my head pot from noodle. pot to cup. Yeah. We don't. That's we don't have that. It does sound. Yeah. I like pot of noodles better. Yeah. Cup of it's noodles. Just sounds, pot noodle. We don't have the pot o. noodle. Just pot noodle. It kind of rolls off the tongue. Yeah. It's it's reconstituted evil food. It does sound like the last name of a minister of some sort. Ah, the Minister of Finance is uh, Sir, uh, Cyrus Potnoodle. Yes, it's it's something from a Harry Potter film, actually. Must be. Yeah, yeah, that character must Sirius be like Pot-Noodle. the, the uh, Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher yeah. or, or, or yeah. something uh, along those lines. Okay, so Audrey wants to know, what did you have for breakfast this morning? Ooh, Audrey, well, Audrey, the hard-hitting I, questions. I had 
uh, porridge made with soy milk and blueberries with a little cinnamon and honey on it. Delicious. Delicious. Made by my own fair hand. <laughs> what? Yes. David Tennant. I make, I make where, my own porridge. Where is your army of servants, sir? I, I, I let the serfs have the morning off to dig some more fresh mud for themselves. You're a good and just ruler indeed. Yeah. Uh, Keola wants to know... What are your upcoming projects, and is Nativity 2 going to be released on DVD? Because I live in the U.S. and want to see it. Well, the Nativity 2 hasn't come out for like a year, right? Nativity 2 comes out next Christmas. Yeah. Right. Uh, your guess <laughs> probably is Probably come as out on DVD. I mean, probably. That's how movies Usually work now. that tends to happen, <laughs> yes. Uh, future projects. I'm doing, I've done a thing for the BBC, which is only a half-hour show, but uh, called Love Life, mm-hmm. which is, uh, well, it's a, it's, I think it's five of them. Five half-hour shows, but each one is a separate story. Okay. And Billy Piper's done one. Oh, excellent. Um, uh, they're, they're vague connections. Some of the characters crop up in other ones. Sort of like a shortcutsy kind of way. Um, I'm actually surprised that no one has created like weird Doctor Who fan fiction where they take all the times where you guys have crossed over. Like, because you were a Jude and then Matt Smith was right. in Confessions of a Di- Diary of a Call Girl. And yes, then they, try, course, to, they yeah. try to weave all those in together to like, this is when they were on this planet doing this thing. Yeah, I'm sure there must be a dark corner there. There absolutely somewhere. is. Oh, I, somebody sent me a link to... Wow, there's some weird stories that people write. Oh, yeah. It gets really filthy. It's, there's a little, you know, I think, you know, look, listen... There's maybe not as much full penetration in the Doctor Who series as people as would some like people to see. would like. Yeah. Yeah. So they just write about it. Yes. They've so my because... gob was smacked. I was. <laughs> I, uh, I. If you don't get to see the many vaginas of the Silurians, then you. It's yes. Want to but read it's, about it's it? It's very very peculiar to be reading someone you've never met. <laughs> Describing <laughs> your private parts in the way that they've—it's that's a peculiar to a T, right? I mean, they nailed it clearly. Some did, some didn't. <laughs> I've, if you go online, I've marked the ones that are more accurate. David Tennant approved. Yeah, so yeah. big thumbs up. Uh, okay. Oh, here we go. Lisa Moore wants to know. I don't want you to ask him anything. I just want to know what he smells like. Is that weird? I, I, do I, do I smell anything particular? Uh, there's a chamomile. A little bit of chamomile. Really? A little bit of spring. A little bit of spring and chamomile. I don't know what that is. It's nice. Maybe from the, uh, the, the, the honey or the breakfast or the... Uh, Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Lisa, it's, a, it's very pleasant. Um, it's very pleasant. Good. That'd be weird to have to report, like, David Tennant was really nice. It smells a little... It smelled like a dumpster behind a seafood restaurant, yeah. though. Yeah. I don't... Yeah. I mean, you know, listen. Just a little stale. Just a little bit stale. You can't have everything. Uh, so this is a, this is this is from Ellen, who uh, apparently is Australian. Uh, you, do, you do the accent. I do a bad Australian accent. Go on. Uh, Dear David, Ian McKellen has performed several plays in Sydney, and I'm going to see Kevin Spacey at the Old Vic production of Richard III this afternoon. Please tell your Aussie fans, of whom there are many, that we'll be queuing up for tickets to see you at a local stage sooner rather than later. The Sydney Theatre Company's War Theatre is a perfect venue, and I really do think you should be in talks with Kate Blanchett or Andrew Upton, who run the thing right now. Thanks and happy anticipation. Chim Chim Teru. Yeah, I think that was the mashup of... Weird Cockney and poor Australian, I liked and maybe it. just a hint of New Zealand. It gave and, me quite a lot of joy, but with an underscore of stupid American the entire time. So, yeah. are you ever going to go to Sydney? Are you ever going to go to Australia and do theatre? Would you? I'm glad you repeated the question because I was just listening to your accent. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, it I'd, takes like four days to get there from here. It's a long way. I'd love to. I've never been to Australia for any reason. I would love to go. I have no immediate plans. Okay, but uh, I, I will let you know. 
I'm sorry, Ellen. Ellen, please, get off the ledge of the Sydney Opera House. It's fine. You can still enjoy David on television. Yeah. Uh, this is from Luna. Oh, this one's great. It's actually written in a kind of broken English. I'm going to do another accent, David. Okay. Hello, Mr. Tennant. I am your Italian fan. Okay. I, I love you. I'm reading this the way it's, it was written. That's nice. I love you acting, and I don't see all your characters because Italy does not translate all fiction. I think this word is unlikely. Uh, unluckily, maybe? Uh-huh. I don't know. It's spelled U-N-L-U-K-Y-L-I. Right. Unluckily, I just ask you, when you come to Italy? <laughs> it actually says when you come to Italy. For any things, conventions, holidays, when did you do next film? Bye. You are fantastic. Sorry for platitudes. I do not speak English well. Is that racist? What, what, you, was that? Yes, it is, but it is. my mother's Italian. Oh, that's fine. Then it's fine. My then mother, my mother was, my, yeah. my mother, my like name is, I can make jokes about Scottish people. Yes, that's my fine. mother's maiden name is Facente. Yeah. I'm allowed to, I'm allowed to have a row, as you it. say, at the, at the Italians. Yeah, good. Uh, By the way, I'm not just going to try to do accents the whole interview. Oh, I apologize for that. Oh, good. I'm enjoying it. Right. What I alarms me slightly about that is when you come into Italy for a convention, I think, or oh, holidays, I'll just come and meet you on your holidays. <laughs> um, <laughs> where, where are you staying? Yeah, where are you staying? I'll just pop by. I bring you pizza. I mean, which I'm sure would be I lovely. I bring you pizza, David Dennis. But I probably won't sound as quite as choppy as you just mean. No, no, no. Not like Roberto Benigni accepting no. an Academy Award. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was... I walk movie. across the audience. Yeah, yeah. Why did he win that? that year? <laughs> I don't know. Going I on? didn't vote that year. Who was smoking what? Anyway, um, Yeah, that was the year Ian McKellen was, uh, was nominated and Nick Nolte and... Uh, oh, someone else. I, I can't, a young actor. I can't, I can't remember. Yeah. Anyway, anyway uh, I, when I've been to Italy recently, I'm sure I have. Why was I in Italy? We obviously just didn't bump into each other. Right. But um, no, I love a bit of Italy. I like going there. I can't think when I was last there. Um, we filmed Doctor Who in Italy, of course. We filmed uh, the Pompeii episode in the, right. in the studios in Rome. Um, I've got, again, Karen Gillan was in that episode. She was, yes. Hiding behind her hood. Hiding behind the soothsayer, yeah. Um, I, again, no immediate plans, but I will let you know. I'm gonna, I'll take your address, and when I'm over there on holiday, we'll, we'll hang out. Well, I just have like 50 questions of when are you coming to... Right. Da, da, da. Like, we can spill through them. <laughs> and, as long as we get an accent on each one. Billings, Montana! <laughs> uh, this is from Elizabeth. Dear David, any plans to do a film adaptation of your performance of this past summer's Much Ado About Nothing? I loved your singing on the soundtrack. Love, Elizabeth, in South Carolina. No, there isn't. I mean, I, I, Catherine Tate is, is now very gainfully employed... Uh, uh, by NBC doing The Office for the mm-hmm. foreseeable so uh, mm-hmm. she's kind of uh, she wouldn't be free and I'm not going to do it with someone else so uh, I guess that's probably you had to catch it on stage or it's gone forever I mean I have to say I, I do I love everyone on the show but the dynamic you guys had together is mind blowing wow were it, you guys friends before or uh, no not, not before that not before the, she did her first episode in Doctor Who uh, we just but we always Got on really from the from the minute we met, and still do, and are still in, in touch all the time. And have have, I just think she's great. She's amazing. And you were great when on the Catherine Tate show, that sketch. Oh yeah, she does the. Yeah, well, I sort of insisted when she was doing that. You know, I sort of forced my way into it. Uh, this is from Chrissy. Hello, David. How did you discover Ten's quirks, e.g., hating pears? I imagine that was just written. Hating pears was written down, and I think I think I'm right in saying it isn't. It was never actually in the show. I think it got. That was a bit that got cut, which I think people have seen because it's on a DVD mm-hmm. somewhere. But I think, strictly speaking, that means he doesn't necessarily hate pears because unless it's been said on the TV it's show... It's not canon. Not canon. Maybe it's just fan fiction. Exactly. It's just 
You have some scary fan fiction. <laughs> David Tennant alone with a pair. Yes. Oh, come on, guys. Oh, really? Man. I'm a human being. Um, this is from... The next one, Chris, can we just say five or ten? Sure. Thank you very sure, much. Sure, sure. No worries. Sorry, for, if you have to go, I don't want to keep you here too long. No, I'm loving this. Okay, 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 okay. This isn't like a proper interview. It's great. No, no, no. It's just a chat. I mean that in a good way. I appreciate that. You know, we can talk about stuff. I just hate being... In, I hate doing interviews where I get interrogated and then, and then there's a fine line because some people who interview start to make it about them, which I unfortunately do a little bit, but you still like now. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know, I mean, it's good. We can share some references. It's great. But I just like I just like talking to people. Like yeah, people. come on. Uh, in my castle. This is from <laughs> this is from Marie. What was the meaning of the check from Tom Baker for seventeen forty five? No idea. I don't either. Okay. No. It seemed relevant in some way. Like wow, that sounds like a thing people know yeah. about. Yeah. Sorry, Marie. Please your dreams have been dashed. Email in your answers. This is from Taylor. David, how does your hair do what it does? Um, it's pretty great. Scaffolding. Scaffolding. Okay. Yeah. No, it's, it's uh, uh, various products. It looks, it's well, good. It's just one product, but it's probably, it, we're still vaguely on the BBC. We can't advertise, can we? No, you could say. There's a little tube of stuff called TG Bedhead, a little metal Oh, yeah, tube. I know that stuff. You know that stuff? Yep. That's what I use. That's what does it for me. <laughs> David Tennant uses TG Bedhead. That's sponsor of the Notice Podcast. And Stevie Smith, who cuts my hair. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Oh, poor Stevie Smith. Now he's going to get it. Can, can, Steve, like, he's oh, he'd love that. Oh, good. Yeah. He's very expensive. <laughs> let, let, try, try, people. Just try. No, he's not. He's very cheap. This he's is, very cheap for what you get. Right. But he's worth it. But he's good. Why am I talking about Stevie's rates? Because he has the best rates uh, for a good haircut he is in the central guy. London. Stevie Smith is the man. Uh, this is Veronica. Hey there, Mr. T. All right. Okay. Having pretty much done everything from Tesco ads uh, to the RSC's Hamlet, which, by the way, you worked with Sir Patrick Stewart. Yeah, I did, yes. Who has been on this very podcast and is awesome. Ah, uh, he's great, isn't he? Did you, yeah. you have fun? Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, I had fun doing the whole show, but yeah. Patrick was, is just sensational. Great. Great to have her and great to be in a company with, actually. Great. He's a real proper, loves being part of an acting company. And, you know, there's no kind of uh, hierarchy or starriness with him. He's just great. Side note, the doctor, Hamlet, is there a British institution that you have your eye on yet? What's the Triple Crown? Uh, I suppose I'd be- I could become a Blue Peter presenter, maybe. Um, <laughs> does that mean anything to you? No, but it no. sounded funny. Good. Um, <laughs> So you stress out you don't divide into lower drama and high arts, but only decide by the script itself whether it's working or not. So I was wondering, what makes a good script and what does it need to make David Tennant say, I want to do this? Is this you asking this? No, no, this is Monica. Who Where's called Monica you? from? That's just like your accent now. <sighs> Doesn't, I know, I'm sorry. My name is Monica <laughs> and I want to know what makes David Tennant say, I want to do this. Well, Monica, mm-hmm. uh, there is no logic or rhyme or reason to it. Okay. So, uh, like the last film, the last thing I've done is this, it was this film, Nativity 2, which I did because it was improvised, because it didn't have a script. Yeah. And I'd never done that before. Do you like which, improv? Um, uh, I don't, I, I'm undecided. I'm not sure, I'm not sure that I'm particularly good at it, but I wanted to have a go. And until I see the finished, I'll, I'll get back to it when I've seen the finished film, I'll tell you if I'm any good at it or not. Um... I, uh, this is from Jelly Belly Wrench. If John Sim doesn't return to play the master, who do you think should be the master to Matt Smith's doctor? You know, I'm going to answer this for you. I think it'd be fun if you returned as the master for a couple episodes. They could, ju- Moffat could justify that in some weird way. Yeah. Well, I, who knows? It's a great part, isn't it? It's one of those parts that can be anything as well. I mean, it yeah. could be a... Because you had Derek Jacoby. Yeah. It could be some... Sim. It could be a 
10-year-old child, it could be a 75-year-old woman, it could be anything. So I, I wouldn't like to limit the options available to... But to be honest, you should get John Sim if you can get anyone. He was great. Yeah, I mean, he's pretty definitive, I think. Uh, Caitlin wants to know if you would ever consider being a full-time radio DJ. I do love it, yeah. One of the, one of the, one of the great things of being a bit off the telly is that you get asked to do slightly unusual things sometimes. Mm-hmm. And indeed, Catherine Tate and I did the Jonathan Ross radio show three times and had such a good laugh. I do, I do enjoy that. I've always loved the radio. I've always loved... I love um, spoken word radio and I love music radio. I, I mean, I love it. And I, so I do enjoy uh, getting to play around in a radio studio when people let me. I got to... I, we were just tooling around London getting shots for the TV show and got in front of this old pub called The Hand and Racket which our producer said, this is where the goons used to write. They, oh, they did the wow. national radio was right there, ah. and they'd come here and write. Shut down. Oh. Totally shut down. Oh, dear. That story didn't go anywhere. Oh, wow. Um, this is from Arlene. She wants to know what medium you prefer, TV, movies, or theater. Where's Arlene from? Not she doesn't say. Listen, I only have the information these people are willing to forfeit. Oh. Arlene's from... I'm Arlene, and I'm from Texas. <laughs> David... <laughs> <laughs> I am putting barbecue sauce on my keyboard right now, and I'm wanting to know, do you like TV, movies, or theater? Um, I like them all. Uh, I like them all in different ways. I, I'm greedy for the variety, is the truth of it. Mm-hmm. I like skitting from one to the other like a will-o'-the-wisp. <laughs> this is from Sin Graves. Again. Sin? Pe- Sin. S-I-N. S-I-N. Yep, Sin. Wow. Sin Graves. Sin Graves, that's like an internet name, isn't it? It's an internet name or a, a compatriot of Sirius Black. Sure. Um, I would like Sin to... Graves. Sin Graves. Come to suck your soda. <laughs> I should read the unspeakable curse. Uh, this person wants to know what gave you the biggest boost in your career. You said there were three or four when you decided to do what you wanted to do. What was it along the way that helped you the most? You mean when, when, when I was in my career? Or yeah, before when you started, I... you know, everyone kind of has that point where they're like, oh, this thing happened, and that kind of kicked me up to the next level. What, what was that for um, you? The, 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 yeah, I did, a, I did a TV series based out of Scotland when I was still in Scotland called Taking Over the Asylum, which mm-hmm. was a brilliant bit of uh, writing again. Uh, very lucky to have got that. I was very sort of young and new, and I was playing 19. I was only sort of 22 at the time. And that became, that won the BAFTA that year and was, was very sort of well thought of. And that, that, uh, that brought me to London. That's what gave me a sort of more national career, I suppose. So that was certainly a, a big turning point um, early on. It's, you know, you're here again. It's, your theatre culture really does seem to cross over to television yeah. and film. And a lot of our theatre, it feels like a very separate culture in America. Mm. Like, well, if you do theatre, you might mainly do theatre. Some people cross over, but it just doesn't seem as common over there. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I suppose people, could, people get, get famous in the movies and then go to Broadway, don't they, and do a, do a show, I suppose. Yeah. There's a bit of that goes on. And it's interesting, though, in America over the last 10 years, I think theatre, uh, no, not theatre, television and film have started... Uh, the the, 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 the the walls between those worlds have kind of melted away and people it used go to be backwards and forwards. Very segregated. Yeah. You that, couldn't do yeah. you could only do one, you couldn't do both. I think the world in every sense is getting smaller and more fluid and, and it's great as an actor if you can get to flip between all the different worlds. This is from Lexi, who is Canadian, greetings from the land of poutine, hockey and maple syrup. Uh, favorite Doctor Who monster or villain? 
I don't really have favourites because it's so, the trouble with it, the thing about, especially anything related to Doctor Who, you say something once and it's oh, like yeah, a don't. thing. Yeah. And then that's your thing. How it's, dare you yeah. have an opinion on exactly. a thing? How dare you yeah. have a tenet that's different than mine? Yeah, so I'm kind of, I'm kind of happy to love them all. How could you say the, how could you say the ood? What are you, some kind of idiot? Like, yeah. people really take it personally. Why, oh, why, oh, yes. why? Today, Doctor Who died Today, you've lost a fan. Yeah. And created a powerful enemy. <laughs> uh, oh, she also wants to know, football or rugby? Neither. Okay. I'm the least sporty human being there's ever been. I don't know. I'm pretty not really? sporty. I don't get it. We could, we could out not sport each other. Yeah, well, what our, 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 one of our producers, uh, Gavin, called his girlfriend earlier and was like, can you DVR the football match? Stop I'm like, it. I can't even imagine calling why someone to, to record that? a sporting match. Why would you match? sit down and watch a football match? Gavin, why are you going to sit down and watch a football match? Even if it is Sunderland versus Brownshire. <laughs> Whatever it is. Yeah, that's exactly what it'll be. And the thing is, next week it's just another football match. It's like there's football, then there's some more football, and it's all the next same. Next week it's Sunderland versus Greenshire. Oh, we'll talk well, about that, David Tennant. Yeah. And it's all the same every time, and there's mud and people being taking it far too seriously. Yes, I... Take the Incredible Hulk seriously. Seriously. That's something to think seriously about. Yeah, Gavin, he had an accidental overdose. He had an accidental overdose of gamma radiation. Yeah, that's serious. That's better than a soccer riot. Yeah. All right. Um, This is from Page B. Have you ever heard of the website David Tennant in places he shouldn't be? .tumblr.com. No, I haven't. Someone has taken a still of the 10th Doctor... And then it's a meme where everyone has photoshopped him into different oh, movies okay. and situations. And oh, that sounds like quite it's kind of quite fun. Good fun. Yeah. I thought it was me being stalked. Around no, the no, world no, 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 no. It's 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 you. They place you into other films okay. and situations and photographs. Oh, that sounds like, like on the on yeah. the bridge of the Enterprise or like in the you know stuff I like that. I should be on the bridge of the Enterprise. You Why really that should. Not yet? I don't know. They haven't started shooting uh, the next Star Trek yet. It starts in Can uh, February. Tell that over me. I yes. Where are they filming it? In Los Angeles. I should be in. I should probably be in there. I really think you should be. I think you should phone somebody up. I'm talking. I'm. I. We just had J.J. Abrams on. Damn it! If I had him on second, I would have asked him. F. Yeah. I know. I'm sorry. So I'll ask Simon Pegg. Damn it. He's got some pull. Pegg's got some pull. Yeah. You Pegg. should be. You Pegg got- doesn't want another Brit there. He wants that little empire for himself. Tenant for track twenty. I know exactly. Yeah. Oh sure, I'll say something. Yeah, because he's also got a Scottish Tenet. accent. So what's going on there? Oh seriously. Darn him. Damn his eyes. <laughs> Uh, This is a weird question. This is from Brittany. Hey, you've acted a few times without shoes. All right. Which is more fun, acting barefoot or with shoes? You don't really have to answer that. I like the variety of with shoes and without shoes. I like that I can flip between them like a will-o'-the-wisp. Sometimes sometimes I'll act with one shoe. It's not on camera, but I know. What's dangerous is acting in socks, because then you hit a shiny floor and it's all over. It's all over. Yeah. Um, the floors of this club would be treacherous. Just ask Tom Cruise from Risky Business. That whole scene, socks only. The man's a consummate professional. Yeah, he is. Tony and he's Dub- quite low to the ground. He's got a low. <laughs> he's got quite a low central a low gravity. Of gravity. Yeah, <laughs> like a mini and also cooper. The, the aliens are looking after him. Yeah, they are, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> this is from Tony W. Uh, at the end of the end of time, your doctor was fighting to stay up to his last moment. Can you tell us about any other layers? You know, this is a good question. I actually, you. I, to watch you, first of all, I put off watching that last episode for weeks because I knew it was going to kind of break me up a little right. bit. Did it? It did. Did it make you cry? It did. Come I did. I, it not only did it make me tear up, but it, I was bummed out for days because there's a moment 
which was so beautifully acted, there was a moment at the end where you just kind of say, like, I don't want to go. Yeah. And it almost felt like, and again, I might be reading more into this, maybe all the, the Whovians in the world were reading more into this, but it almost felt like you saying, I don't really want to go. Well, I think there was an element of that, yeah. I mean, it was obviously, the char- it had to make sense for the character, but of course, when something sort of has resonance for yourself, it's going to be all the more potent to play, isn't it? So yeah, yeah of course that was in there. And that was also... I think Russell T. Russell T. Davis saying that as well, because we knew we were going, we knew it was time to move on, and we knew that we should and let somebody else have a go. And uh, but we also knew that it was something very special to both of us, and and it had been a very special time, and that it, it, you know it was it was unlike it was unlike anything that we would ever experience again, probably. Which isn't to say that we we won't go on and do exciting different things, but it had been a very very special time, and it was something you know. Also very, also very special because just different in the sense of that it, it, it took out that sort of I'm going to regenerate and this is how it's always been done. But just yeah. that moment of he's raging against yeah. it. Yeah, which I think fitted the character actually. Yeah. Fitted the character. It, it would have been wrong to do that just for our own self indulgence. But I think that's what the tenth Doctor was like. He yeah. sort of had a kind of ambition to 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 do stuff and be there and kind of keep going and have. He was full of life and he kind of ate it up. And I think that was very appropriate to him. Well, I think this is an appropriate place to let you go. Uh, David Tennant, this was an extreme pleasure. Oh, so likewise. Thank, thank you for so having me. For, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me into your castle. You can come to my castle anytime. I'm going to be lost in your castle. I'm not going to be able to get out of yeah. here. I mean, once you've gone, I'm, I'm changing the security code on the portcullis, so it'll be more difficult. But... I guess I probably shouldn't leave then. I'll just move downstairs, and we'll oh. have a weird drama. I'll call the serfs. They'll throw you out. <laughs> Enjoy, oh, I always say enjoy your burrito. Will you please say enjoy your burrito in, in your Scottish accent, which will be much more charming than my American accent. Why don't I say that? We always say it at the end of the episodes of the, of the podcast. Enjoy your burrito. Yes, perfect. Okay, I've done it. You just did it already. It. I was me. That, that was, was a rehearsal. It. No, that was it. Oh, I only get to do it once? You can do as many times as you want. That was my rehearsal. That was good. Okay, okay. And, and right. now uh, there's the pressure that I'm not going to do it as well. No. And that actually we should just stick with take one because take think one's so? always the best. Take one's always the best because you weren't thinking about it. I wasn't thinking about it. Don't make me focus, Leo. Okay, okay, okay. We're letting it go. And scene. <laughs> now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. This episode is brought to you by the effortlessly scrumptious bite of Skinny Pop popcorn. Imagine this. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious kernels. A symphony of just three simple ingredients. Popcorn, sunflower oil, and a sprinkle of salt. No compromise, just pure snacking freedom. And hey, if you're up for a twist, dive into flavors like zesty white cheddar to sweet and salty kettle. Every bite's a delight, light and oh so tasty. Shop Skinny Pop now.